for at least the 30 years or more that I've been, been in the space, there's always been um, the exercise side trying to convince those that, you know, exercise is, is beneficial, exercise produces all these great results. And the evidence now is no longer disputed. It's, it's no longer in question in that all of your major uh, governing bodies, they accept the fact that the evidence is crystal clear that exercise can help you avoid hypertension, diabetes, obesity, you know, all these chronic conditions that we're plagued with globally. And so I think the, the good news now is that everyone is starting to pay more attention to, okay, exercise is so wonderful. If we were to ask people whether they think exercise is a good thing and whether they should be doing it, most people would say yes, but the problem is less than 20% are doing it. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to All About Fitness. That voice you heard was Dr. Cedric Bryant. Currently, he is the president of the American Council on Exercise and actually my former boss. On this episode, we discuss how the views of exercise have changed over the years and how ACE, the acronym for the American Council on Exercise, is working with the medical community to promote exercise as one of the solutions for a number of different medical conditions. Now, you want to pay attention to the wrap-up of this show because as after the show or after the interview, I'm going to go through a number of different things about how the fitness industry has changed over the years. I'm going to talk about the career path of personal trainers, kind of the options that you have getting into the fitness industry. Then on the next quick fit tip, if you're interested in the certification process, on the next quick fit tip version of All About Fitness, I'm going to go through a number of different certification options if you do want to shift and begin working in the fitness industry. For this episode of All About Fitness, it's a lot of fun and really an honor to catch up with Dr. Cedric Bryant the president of the American Council on Exercise. Are you looking to get stronger? Are you looking to improve your mobility? Are you looking to improve your metabolic conditioning to try to burn calories? Well, look no further than Hyperware. Hyperware makes some awesome products. They make soft bells. They make sand bells. Those are neoprene sandbags that allow a number of options. The sand bells are like dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells. You can put handles in them and use them for a number of different exercises. And the sand bells themselves are like little medicine balls. Hyperware also makes the vest, which is a perfect form-fitting way to add additional weight to your workouts. Check out hyperware.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-Wear.com. That's hyperware.com. And you can use code AAF10. That's code AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of any Hyperware products. If you're looking for the perfect piece of in-home exercise equipment, go to terracorefitness.com. That's terracore, T-E-R-R-A-C-O-R-E, fitness.com. And check out what Men's Health has identified as one of the top 25 in-home workout products. That's terracorefitness.com. Use code AAF10. That's AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of a Terracore. And if you want to see the Terracore in action, if you want to see some really killer videos, go to Instagram and check out Fitness. And you will be amazed at all the different ways you can challenge your body. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness. On this episode, I have a very special guest, one of my one of my mentors and uh, former supervisor, Dr. Cedric Bryant with the American Council on Exercise. How are you doing today, uh, Cedric? I'm doing great, Pete. And uh, it, it, it warms my heart to hear you reference me as a mentor because uh, um, I, I, I'm tickled at the, the impact you make in our space, and um, I, I view us more as colleagues than a, 
than, than a mentor relationship, but I'll, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> well, no, thanks. But I mean, you know, we've worked together for a while. And even as we've stayed in touch over the years, I always appreciate your advice and your insight. And as we jump into it today, one of the things, Cedric, and, and for listeners, I'm going to have the article below in the show notes. But Cedric is such a, I guess I would say, I would call you an old school fitness guy, or maybe you're an <laughs> undercover fitness guy. I think you're a little bit late for the Instagram celebrityness of, <laughs> of fitness, Cedric. So I apologize about that. But what, what was your first, when you got into fitness, you were instrumental in helping kind of validate one of the, I would argue that this product really kind of helped create the commercial fitness industry, you know, a number of years ago. What product were you involved with and, and what was your role? Well, I was um, the uh, the head of uh, research and development for the Stairmaster Corporation, um, which was an iconic product back in the uh, the mid to late '80s, and it was really just uh, it, it was a neat experience and, and, a, and a very neat opportunity to be a part of of that group and and, and associated with that product. And as as you said, it was. It, along with probably the life cycle, were, were two of the products on the cardio side that I think helped to uh, kind of establish kind of the, the uh, exercise equipment's role in the health and fitness facilities. And, and the, the neat thing about the Stairmaster product is that it really allowed individuals to exercise at a relatively high intensity challenging the cardiovascular system while being pretty joint friendly. So it, so it really was able to accommodate a wide spectrum of individuals in terms of age, orthopedic considerations. And so I was really um, privileged to, to be part of the group that worked with a, a variety of institutions around the country to kind of validate the energy cost associated with the product, um, what, what were the, you know, the, the, the muscles that were involved and, and really some of the training outcomes that one could derive for a wide variety of individuals. So, so it really was a, a neat part of my career. And, and the cool thing is, I'm because I want to ask you this question. I mm -hmm. listen to I listen to a lot of comedy when I work out, Cedric. I get tired of yes. all my playlists, <laughs> so sometimes I, I'll listen to Pandora and just type in a comedian. And there's a comedian, Jim Gaffigan, who does this great bit about the stairmaster. He goes, "Who came up with the idea of walking upstairs? What was your reaction when you were first brought into that project?" And they said, "Hey, here's what we're thinking about." When you first heard that they're going to create a machine to simulate walking upstairs, what was your reaction? Well, you know, it's it's funny because uh, I think mo most people um, have have that initial kind of perspective. But if you really think about it, Pete, if you think about the cardio exercise products that have had what I call kind of sustainability or longevity or staying power, they've been those exercise products that have been closely associated with movements that people do routinely in life. You think about the motor-driven treadmill, you think about a, uh, an exercise bike, e even the elliptical, they, they simulate natural, common, everyday motions. And the stair climber was, was, was exactly in that same vein in that it was replicating or simulating um, the movement of climbing that stair. So I wasn't surprised that one, it would be relatively popular because, because it's something that people are kind of accustomed to doing as part of their normal activities of daily living. The learning curve wouldn't be a real challenge. And we know that because of the amount of vertical work that the person's required to do, that it would provide an effective stimulus to produce really significant results. 
And, and that's an important thing because, and you mentioned this, and I don't want to go into a history thing here, mm-hmm. but you, when you look at kind of the pro- proliferation of, of consumer fitness, it, it couldn't have occurred without a couple things like the Stairmaster, like the life cycle, and like Nautilus equipment or machines, weightlifting machines that made it safe for people to get into the gym and lift weights. And the question I wanted to ask you earlier was, you know, we're at a point now, Cedric, where for years we've been getting trying to get people to move more and exercise. And it just seems like in the last maybe three or four years, and I really do believe social media has had an impact on this, but now it seems that health and fitness has become a part of our culture. Much more, whereas before I would argue that until the last few years it was an outlier, but today it's become a more acceptable part of our culture. Would you agree with that? Has that been something you've seen where it's now kind of ingrained that go to work, go to the gym, come home and whatever, or do we still have room to improve? Oh, um, I think we have a tremendous amount of room to improve, Pete, because if you look at um, just the recently released um, update to the physical activity guidelines, we're still getting, you know, that same 18 to 20 percent of the folks who are actually meeting the minimum guidelines that are recommended for physical activity. And so um, while the evidence is overwhelming that exercise can play a vitally important role in, in helping individuals to, to experience a high quality of life, to avoid a variety of chronic uh, illnesses and so forth, we're still not doing an effective job of getting enough people to make it a part of their, their lifestyles. And I think um, one of the things that is really neat now is that I think for at least the 30 years or more that I've been been in the space, there's always been um, the exercise side trying to convince those that, you know, exercise is, is beneficial, exercise produces all these great results. And the evidence now is no longer disputed. It's, it's no longer in question in that all of your major uh, governing bodies, they accept the fact that the evidence is crystal clear that exercise can help you avoid hypertension, diabetes, obesity, you know, all these chronic conditions that we're plagued with globally. And so I think the, the good news now is that everyone is starting to pay more attention to, okay, exercise is so wonderful. If we were to ask people whether they think exercise is a good thing and whether they should be doing it, most people would say yes, but the problem is less than 20% are doing it. So what what the focus is shifting to now is what can we do to help people engage in exercise or physical activity on a regular basis because that is going to produce so many benefits from a population and public health standpoint that it could really positively disrupt things like healthcare costs and really how how we view and approach healthcare. And so you've got organizations like the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control that have major initiatives in play where they are trying to understand that very thing in terms of what can we do to help people adopt being physically active as another one of those healthy lifestyle behavior changes. And and you know, that's that's exactly where we wanted to go with this conversation, right? And for listeners, because Cedric has been very involved in the last number of years on the American Council on Exercise, and we'll go into what that does in a second, but I know you've been very involved in this for years, Cedric, and, and, and you know me, I'm a little bit of a policy geek, I'm a little bit of a wonk myself. <laughs> what are the physical activity guidelines? I know you just mentioned that the second generation of them came out, have just been approved, but what are the physical activity guidelines, and, and why is that such an important document for, for not just our industry, but for overall health? 
Well, this is the first update to those guidelines in, in, in 10 years, the original guidelines. And, and basically, the guidelines themselves haven't changed a great deal. And, and, and I'll, I'll um, touch upon what I think is probably the, the most um, important kind of uh, change in that update. But what the guidelines recommend is that individuals participate in 150 minutes of physical activity accumulated on most days. So general um, kind of recommendations are you get about 30 minutes of activity five days five days a week or more to kind of re reach the minimum kind of cardiovascular aerobic type uh, goals and then to uh, supplement that with at least two uh, sessions of resistance training or strength training focused exercise for your musculoskeletal system and um, unfortunately what we see is that um, very few individuals are meeting those very basic uh, guidelines. What the update um, further kind of elaborated on is that back in 2008, basically what they were saying is that you needed to get at least a 10 minute bout for that for that cardio element to really count. And now what what we see is that any and all movement counts. So if you can just do you know three, four, five minutes here do that and it all adds up and it all accumulates over time and it all has value and that i think that's important because it really shifts the conversation so that it really helps to eliminate that age-old excuse that we readily accept that people don't do it because they don't have time and, and my argument has always been we have time to do those things that we place a reasonable enough value on and that we see that the return is worth my investment and nothing in my opinion gives you a greater return than maintaining a physical act active lifestyle because it's going to help you to live a much better more productive more fruitful life and it's going to allow you to do all the things in life that you might want to or need to do well and let's take a second here cedric because <laughs> you and i are using a phrase that i think we have to to, to define and that's physical activity. I mean, I think there's because specifically in the space that we're in, we want to delineate between exercise and physical activity. How would yes. you describe the difference? What is the difference and how do you describe that? OK, my uh, what I tend to, to to say is that physical activity is is movement that's carried out by, by the skeletal muscles that requires energy. So basically, you know, any of your ING activities uh, when you think about it. I like that and, ING. Go ahead. Sorry. And, you know, yeah. And so um, whereas exercise tends to be more planned and structured and there's intention with the movement and it's, you know, it, it's intended to improve or maintain some co some component of physical fitness. So any movement can be viewed as physical activity, whereas it has to be more purposeful and intentional to be deemed as exercise. And that's very important because I think, well, not, it's not what I think, but it's been my observation. Mm -hmm. What's the negative? Why, why is there sort of a negative connotation or how does exercise lead to, to negative feelings? And, and why is it important to acknowledge that? I think it's, um, it, and um, personally, I think it's unfortunate that, that exercise does engender kind of negative thoughts and that, that it, it has the baggage. Um, because exercise is so vital to the human experience. And given how our lifestyles really have done an effective job of pretty much engineering um, 
most uh, normal physical activity out of our work days as, as opposed to in the past when when we had to really work we had to work and move to eat and 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 really accomplish anything and i think that if we viewed exercise as the life-giving results producing beneficial endeavor that it is that it wouldn't be so stigmatized but i think people think of exercise based upon the worst stereotypes that they see they they see the 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 grunting the groaning the the uncomfortable unpleasant um things that we typically portray as exercise and, and almost spoof exercise by as opposed to um you know things where it's going to allow you to do all those things in life that are essential. You know, whether you're you're a person who likes to to, to hike or you want to, or you have a physically demanding job, exercising can allow that negative experience to become more pleasant because it's going to require less of your reserve to accomplish it. And see, that's the thing where I I think. If I could just snap my fingers and get mm-hmm. anybody listening or anybody just out there. I really wish we could get over that hump of realizing that it doesn't take – you don't have to be uncomfortable to get the health benefits. Exactly. Right? I mean you don't have to be uncomfortable. Could somebody, Cedric, somebody who's busy, they got kids, they got whatever, they got work. Could somebody throughout the day get up and, and could they just be more active by taking the stairs? Does that make a difference? If people are able to add little bits of activity – you mentioned it a little bit yeah. and it doesn't sound like much but just adding – more things like walking upstairs or, or walking for a couple extra blocks for an errand, does that really make that big of a difference? Or is that just kind of a little bit of hocus pocus? I mean, does being physically active replace exercise in terms of overall benefits? I wouldn't say that it replaces exercise in terms of overall benefits, but it is very beneficial. And I think you're spot on at that. People could just look for any and every opportunity to move. And I always try to give people the analogy that, Getting those little, um, I call them exercise snacks or bursts, it's much like loose change in your pocket. While all of us would much rather have bills, but loose change, it's still money and it still has value. And the same thing about these little short bursts of activity. And if you think about, like, for example, the, the updated guidelines by the American Diabetes Association, they recommend individuals who are impacted with diabetes that you avoid prolonged periods of inactivity. And so they recommend that, you know, for interrupt every 30 minute bout of inactivity with, with two minutes of movement. Okay. Two minutes of movement that's 120 seconds of movement, and it can help you with your blood sugar control. What what could be more valuable to a person who's impacted with diabetes? And so I just think that we need to really help people understand the rest of the story, if you will, as opposed to you know kind of getting sidetracked by what tends to be what receives the attention. And I think that's – and that really – I do think that that happens a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Is people get so overwhelmed. They see all these fit bodies and like, oh my goodness, I can't look like that. So why bother? You oh, know? I think you're absolutely right, Pete. And the other thing too is that it's really kind of um, learning how to really apply behavior change science to the um, fitness experience is, is very important too because um, – Oftentimes, many very bright, well-intentioned health and fitness professionals will focus on trying to give the person the 
the exercise program that they deem the person needs as opposed to understanding kind of the, the person's why. What What is the person looking to, to gain from becoming more active and really starting with that person's why and, and empowering the person to really kind of be the, 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 the captain of his or her own, own ship and you come alongside and guide them to make the best choices based upon what it is that's truly motivating them to even consider becoming more active and start by trying to create an experience and then gradually work up to trying to make it more purposeful so that they can gain the maximum results. Well, do you think that's what, what groups like, like CrossFit and Zumba kind of got right? And maybe some of these boutique studio experience is we can, we can have a debate about the programming. I don't mm -hmm. want to talk about the programming. We can mm -hmm. kind of set that aside, but in terms of creating an engaging experience, do you think that's maybe been one of the things that has been, been so popular among the boutiques is they create that different experience than maybe a traditional health club? Absolutely. I think when you you, you mentioned CrossFit, you could throw Zumba in there, you could throw Orange Theory. I mean, you could, there, there's a long list of, of names where I think they, they really have done a good job of making the experience engaging and getting the persons kind of started on on that journey, if you will. And I think that that really is, um, and, and, you know, our mission is to get people moving at the American Council on Exercise. So I applaud all those names you mentioned because they have done a terrific job at getting people moving. So Cedric endorses, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but you're right. We're talking engagement. Yeah. And on that note, mm -hmm. this is a great segue. You are mm -hmm. currently the president of the American Council on Exercise. And mm -hmm. was, where's your secret service? Do you have secret service there with you or no? <laughs> that, that, no. But you're the president. So what does the American Council on Exercise do, um, Cedric? You and I are very familiar with it. I'm very intimately involved as a content creator. So just so listeners sure. are aware. But what is the role and what is the mission of the American Council on Exercise? Okay. Well, the, the mission of the, of the American Council on Exercise is to get people moving. And I think because of our name, Council on Exercise, that people think in terms of that getting people moving is is exclusively focused on physical activity. And it's and it's more broad than that in our minds and that we really want to get people moving toward um, living healthier lifestyles. And that that's going to encompass more than just physical activity. And that's why um, and, 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 and Pete, you know, because you, you followed us for, for years here is that that's why we've been paying more and more attention to things like health coaching, lifestyle behavior change and the, and the proper application of behavior change science, because it really is about helping, empowering the individual to have the skills to make all of those many important lifestyle behavior changes from, you know, improving nutrition, along with being more active, helping with, with stress management, um, you know, all the various, um, you know, elements of lifestyle medicine are all important in really allowing the individual to become the, the best he or she that they can be and really kind of take more, I call it a, a whole person centered approach to our, our programming for that individual's improvement in lifestyle. And see, I think that's where people, I think that just catches people by surprise, right? Is they're so used to like, mm -hmm. you know, a trainer working with a trainer, drop and give me 20. Right. They don't realize, and I tell people this, I'm like, look, I'm, you're not going to exercise the first maybe hour or two we spend with one another. I got to mm -hmm. see how you, I'm not going to push you. You're going to move, but not at a high mm -hmm. intensity because I don't, if I were working with you, Cedric, I am not going to push you to work hard until I feel comfortable. I understand how you move. <laughs> 
exactly. know, in terms of how, yep. of, of how you, so I'm not going to, I'm ultimately, I am going to push you hard, but it's going to take me weeks to work up to that. So let's mm-hmm. take a step back and, and, okay. and say you're out the American Council on Exercise promoting physical activity. What role do the certifications play? What, what certifications well, does ACE offer and what role do they play? Sure. We have four primary certifications. We have our group fitness instructor certification, which is d- designed for individuals who are going to work with you know large groups um, in a variety of, of the, the, the group formats. We have the personal trainer certification, which again is, is designed for, for the individual who's going to be working uh, one-on-one uh, small group training with individuals, um, providing them you know guidance in terms of with the, with the real emphasis on the physical activity and exercise related components, but also we know that the individual isn't going to get the results he or she is truly seeking unless we address those other lifestyle factors. And then we have a health coaching um, certification, which is really designed at um, really helping that person along the entire journey of lifestyle behavior change and really um, coming alongside that person and kind of serving as their as their trusted guide, who where I, I um, Bill Miller, who's kind of the the father of motivational interviewing, he would always say that in, in dealing with with some of the clients that he did from a from a behavioral psychology standpoint, he talked about he wanted to dance with his clients rather than wrestle with them, and I think that's really what you articulated earlier in terms of you're really not you're not going to push the client you're going to observe them get to know them understand them develop that relationship and rapport with them so that you guys can mutually agree upon how you progress the program how you regress the program how you give them the proper dose of exercise that really is going to meet their current status and needs and then our our last um of our four primary certifications is a certified medical exercise specialist, which is designed for working with individuals who have um, a variety of, of, of special health conditions, whether it's diabetes, whether it's hypertension, arthritis, and, and so forth. And so those, and, and the reason why our certifications are important to us is that it's our way of really providing some level of, of, of screening and vetting of those individuals who are going to be working with the public because as a 501c3 part of our mission is to provide some some level of of, of consumer protection and, and public benefit and it's it's through our 85,000 plus professionals that we're able to indirectly touch the lives of millions and millions of of people with um with with physical activity as well as other um helpful lifestyle behavior um activities so and now I know you don't work day to day in this. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, as a president, you're not kind of doing that. Right. But how? What's the process? If listeners are out there going, okay, cool. I've been thinking about being an instructor, which is one of the reasons why I want to kind of just mm-hmm. do a brief track down this thread. Sure. Some people might be listening. They've they've been wanting to be an instructor. The process really isn't that hard. Is I mean, if I if I went through the ACE certification 20 years ago, and it's been almost mm-hmm. exactly 20 years. <laughs> if I were able to pass it, then then a lot of people can pass it a little studying. What's the barrier to entry? What does it take to become certified as a trainer or as a health coach or as a fitness instructor? What's If you just quick overview of the process, and then we'll just keep keep rolling. 
Well, sure. It's, you know, um, meeting the, the, the basic criteria, um, depending upon the certification, um, there, there's some variety. Like, for example, with the, the last one that I mentioned, the certified medical exercise specialist, the criteria are a bit more stringent because you're going to be working with individuals who are a bit more at risk. But the, the basic um, uh, kind of preparation is that you can prepare um, on your own or we have uh, – 400 or so uh, education partners that are in, in a variety of, of uh, two-year and four-year colleges that provide preparatory programs. And, and those the, the programs can, can vary in length. On average, it takes the typical person about six months or so to go through the preparatory materials, um, and then you you sit for a for a proctored exam, and if you achieve the threshold passing score to demonstrate that you have that requisite level of competence to be able to to safely program and supervise exercise, then you would be awarded the certification. And see, I think people don't realize that it's really there's not a huge barrier, and we get this image that only the fit young. Um, the fit young people and the young 20-somethings can become trainers, but mm -hmm. nothing's further from the truth. And in fact, when I used to work in health clubs and be in management, I used to love Cedric. I used to love hiring that individual who was retiring from one career and getting started in a second career. Because I wanted people with a little bit more experience, professionalism, because that's what our members needed. And let's take a look at what is, what's ACE doing on the side to not only promote, to promote personal training, but how is ACE trying to, to just raise professionalism? And I'm specifically asking about the reps program and about some of the stuff that you've been involved with um, in terms of just enhancing the overall quality of, of the professionalism, what we do. What is reps and, and why is that important? Sure. Um, well, let me take a step back, Pete. Now, you know, one of the, I'm glad you mentioned um, and, and are asking the question, you know, what, what's ACE doing to try to um, raise the profession as well as um, elevate our professionals because, you know, one of the things that we feel that we have an obligation to the space to ensure that we receive the respect and the opportunities that are, that we merit because of the wonderful things that we know that, uh, helping people to adopt physically active lifestyles can, can produce. And, and also as you think about, you know, the, the, the public health discussions and, and improving population health, physical activity is a key component of that. And so some of the things that that, that we've been involved in, uh, you, you mentioned the Coalition for the Registration of Exercise Professionals. One of the things that, uh, what that is, it, it's basically, it's, it's a coalition of um, industry-leading certification groups that um, really go through a through a standardized process of assessing the competence of their um, certification candidates so that we can ensure that these individuals really have that kind of baseline requisite level of competence that they would then build on with um, continued education. And so what we've created is a registry um, that the, the, the U.S. reps, which is a registry of all individuals who are who meet those criteria. So this way, consumers, healthcare professionals can readily identify individuals who have gone through a reasonable vetting process that they can have some confidence in as a consumer, either choosing as someone who I might want to consider working with who lives in, who, who's 
conveniently located to me, or as a healthcare professional, someone that I might consider referring a, a, a patient to. And so that that's one of the things that we're doing. Um, so, some of the more recent ones that I think are um, equally important and exciting is that we are collaborating with groups like the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization on this, um, on an effort in terms of really promoting physical activity and more importantly, how do we help to close that gap between recommendations and action. We know that we we have all these great recommendations based upon tremendous science that people should be moving more and and being physically active in a variety of of formats and forms, but yet very few people are doing it on a regular basis. So the the Center for Disease Control has an initiative that's called um, Active People, Healthy Nation. And part of um, why they're so excited about this is that, again, the overwhelming evidence that physical inactivity costs lives, it costs dollars, and that if we could figure out a way to get more people moving than than the one in five that do, we could really um, improve ourselves economically, but more importantly, we can improve the quality of life of, of, of people in our country. And so what the healthy um, Active People Healthy Nation initiative is, and, and, and we're one of the um, uh, supporting groups, is that the CDC has a goal of helping 27 million Americans be- become more physically active by the year 2027. And what they're looking to do is to try to get people wherever they are to to just improve a bit. And because one of the things we know that if we can take that person from the couch and to get them to just start moving, they derive a tremendous benefit. So again, it's to your earlier point, you don't have to go from zero to 60 to derive benefit. You just have to go from zero to something. And so that's what this um, Active People Healthy Nation initiative is that um, we're actively involved in. And then there's um, the WHO has uh, the World Health Organization. They have an initiative that is focused on um, what they call their um, global physical activity um, initiative, which again is to try to get more people meeting those minimum threshold levels that are recommended in the activity guidelines um, because their non-communicable diseases division sees how that can have such a profound impact on reducing the prevalence of this plethora of, of chronic conditions that are facing us globally. I want to come back to that, but first for listeners, I, you know, I want to respect Cedric's, you know, his expertise in, but I want to, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail, Cedric, on the, on the conclusion mm-hmm. of this, you know, sure. for, for listeners about why hiring a, why getting a certified uh, personal trainer is so, so important, but let's go back to this public health thing. What mm-hmm. has been working? You know, when they look back at the guidelines that came out in 2008, and I'm sure they did the review, what, when, when they look at the data, what has been working to get people moving? Well, um, really, a lot of it is things that are occurring in the community. Um, and that, because one of the things that we know, and it's, and it's really part of, Pete, when you think about the, the model that, that we developed when you were at ACE, we had at that foundation kind of that that rapport and and connection and engagement and and 
and uh, kind of that coaching element as being critical because what 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 you've been able to see is that where there is that already established trust and rapport, then you can start to have the conversation with individuals about making change. And it's things like, um, you know, there, there's a girl trek, there's walk with the doc, there's all these kind of community efforts that are getting people engaged in really simple movement efforts that um, are really seeming to have quite quite a significant impact on kind of unseating the sedentary, if you will. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I ask this question when I meet people who, who have mm-hmm. made that change and lost a lot of weight. There's mm-hmm. a guy I met online who he was motivated um, by a group of comedians. Uh, Joe Rogan does something called Sober uh-huh. October. And, mm-hmm. and this one guy, Vance Hines, has lost over 150 pounds, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of started following along what those guys were doing. And then I, a friend of mine is a, you know, she's a, a full-time manager to Starbucks. I got to know her because I do a lot of riding at Starbucks. But I've watched her over the last year or two, Cedric, lose about 40 pounds in terms mm-hmm. of becoming just – it has somebody – they have to flip that switch. Do you know what I mean? It has to become mm-hmm. important. And when I, when I talk to both of them, when I talk to Vance and when I talk to my friend at Starbucks, I'm like, what caused you? What was What was the thing that kind of made it work this time? And what they both told me and what I've heard repeatedly, Cedric, mm-hmm. is that it became about health. For them, uh, they funny. made that switch. I was going to say you got to change the conversation, Pete, because I, because I was about to jump in because because the examples you gave is the, the massive amounts of weight that they lost, but in my in, in my personal view, the weight is just the result of the changed lifestyle. Bingo. Yeah. But it but it shouldn't be the 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 singular focus, which too often we make it, and it really is about changing the conversation, the focus to really adopting this new lifestyle and really kind of focus on the, the, the process, if you will, and not so much on the outcomes because the outcomes will occur if we can get them to change how they approach life and make it more about, I think, the more important why. And I think sometimes that, that important why doesn't necessarily have to be something that is related to health the way I think the way the scientists might always think of it in terms of health in terms of avoiding a disease or something along those lines but it could be health in terms of the type of lifestyle one can lead you know you know what what types of, are there things in your life that are that you currently are unable to do because of your 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 physical activity or physical fitness status and if so would you like to do those things and help them to realize that to start that journey toward being able to have the physical activity status to be able to do those things isn't this monumental leap and it can be achieved progressively. And that's where having individuals who are trained in the proper application of exercise training principles like a certified professional can be vitally important because they can help that person take those successive small steps towards ultimate success. Well, and, and Jen Wiederstrom, and, 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 and I don't know Jen that well, but, <laughs> but Jen Wiederstrom, and this is such a 180 different approach 
than the previous mm-hmm. person who was the female trainer on The Biggest Loser. I'm making that mm-hmm. point because I really like I like Jen. I respect uh-huh. her. Yes. But, but Jen talked about the difference between being a coach and a trainer. And, yes. and Jen's approach, Jen, Jen said that a trainer tells you what to do where a coach helps you decide what to do. Mm-hmm. How would you would you agree with that? And how would you maybe provide a slightly different approach to that? I mean, I agree with it, but and I think that's a, an important differentiation is a trainer tells you a coach maybe guides you. Yes, that and that that is the fundamental difference, Pete. And if we were in church, I would be saying I'd be shouting amen because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so spot on. And it really if you think about it, it really um, is, is a different way of restating what uh, Dr. Miller said about wrestling versus dancing. And I, you know, and rather, I think, than, go ahead. rather than wrestling with the client, you're dancing with them because you're not being this directive drill sergeant who's telling them what to do or this expert who has all the answers. Instead, you are engaging and involving them in the process in, in partnership. You are helping them develop the program that's going to make the most meaningful impact on their lives. And, and what I would do sometimes is I would tell people they'd come in and I mm-hmm. want to lose this much weight. It's like, stop, time out. Mm-hmm. Here's your goal. Two times mm-hmm. during the week and one time on the weekend. That's all I want you to do for the next month. Make mm-hmm. it to the gym two times during the week and once on the weekend. Let's start there and and, and work up from there. Now, the last thing I want to, before we wrap up here. Hey, can I just throw one thing in there? Um, yeah. Because I, I, I love what you just said there about – you know, calling a timeout. But I do think it's important that we give people um, little hooks to keep them in the game early on. And so rather than focusing on these longer term outcomes, suggest them some other things that they'll experience much faster, you know, more energy, improved sleep. Do they find themselves, you know, better controlling the, the, the stress of life? Try to give them little early wins to kind of re again reframe their thinking from thinking about this you know big goal of I'm gonna you know go down to 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 uh, dress sizes or I'm gonna lose X amount of weight, but really start thinking about those things that relate to feeling better as opposed to just simply those things that are focused on on maybe looking better or or more weight or physical physical related. And I would always try. That's why I try to get people to realize is let's pay attention to how you feel. Exactly. If you start feeling better, if you wake up with more energy, Mm -hmm. if you have more just you think better throughout the day, to me, that that kind of validates the reason for exercise. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and so do you think technology, the the final thing I want to wrap up with here with is, do you think technology can help change behavior? I, I do believe that technology can can be used as a as a complimentary tool. But I but I still think that um the, the, the human is going to be re, um, required to really best leverage technology. And, and uh, oh, gosh, why am I drawing a brain cramp out of Duke? Uh, Gary, oh, gosh. There's because, a behavioral, there's a behavioral psychologist out of Duke who has done a lot of research to show that with respect to um, affecting um, changes in behavior, that if you compare technology – Technology with a professional or a professional alone, it's the combination of the two that appears to be most impactful. Hmm. And, and that's where, you know, because I think technology is, is a tool, right? And if you don't understand exactly. how, how to that's apply right. it, but I really think, you know, there's just an article just the last few days 
about uh, about companies having access to fitness tracker information. Mm -hmm. And I really don't think, Cedric, that we're going to see a huge adoption of everything until mm -hmm. companies and, and private insurance companies start incentivizing you for uploading your tracker data every 30 days. I really think it's going to get down to that base level of just paying people to be more physically active. Do you think that's where we're going? Boy, um, Pete, I'm, I, I may be a little bit less optimistic than you are because there, there have been um, – in the workplace wellness research literature, there, there have been organizations that have attempted that, and, and those tend to be um, short-lived changes and that they, they yeah, tend exactly. not to be sustained, unfortunately. Yeah, I've seen those studies, yeah. and it's like you mm -hmm. know, people actually in the short term will change their behavior a little bit for, for a right. monetary incentive, but it really is – if that doesn't work – I, you know, it's like, how can we really, how do we get people to think about health first in terms of making these little changes? Well, I think that's, that, that is the, the, the person who cracks that code <laughs> is, is, is going to be the hero. No, no, really. Cause that, that, that really is. And that's why you have all these, um, uh, very, uh, you know, well-recognized and well-respected organizations who are, you know, having these, uh, coalitions coming together to try to come up with strategies to do that very thing. Well, maybe we should reach out to, to Howard Schultz, right? Because maybe it's, <laughs> maybe instead of letting Howard run, hey, hey, Cedric, Howard got us to wait in line to pay $4 for a cup of coffee. <laughs> if you think about before the 1990s, you, I mean, you're in Seattle. I mean, yes. you know, you'd go to 7-Eleven or a diner and get a cup of coffee. But Schultz made us wait in line to pay $5 for a cup of coffee. Do you think he could do the same thing for fitness? Well, I, I, I certainly think we, we should be able to because uh, fitness has, has so, so many uh, upsides and, and benefits that I, I'm, I'm just – I've been disappointed all my life that, that it isn't more popular. But, but again, um, I, I think b being realistic is that fitness asks more of the individual than a lot of these other options. And so we, 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 I think we've got to continue to figure out how to make, how to, how to bring fitness into the, um, the reach and realm of possibility for the masses. And if people would just, if, if there's one thing somebody could do today, Cedric, just one thing to get a little bit healthier through physical activity, what, what could they do? What could somebody do in the next few minutes at the conclusion of this podcast to start moving towards a healthier life? Just that, just move any type of movement i don't care what it is just try to sit less and even if it's just standing but the the other thing pete when you you, you talked um and i know we have to close here is the other area where i think we need to focus is on our children because i really do believe it's like most other habits they're formed early in life. And so I really think that we have to pay more attention to improving, um, I'll call it the physical literacy of our young people so that early on in life, they kind of develop those kind of basic fundamental movement skills so that they have the opportunity to develop a, a basic level of competence when they're young so that movement just becomes something that they're comfortable with, that they're not intimidated by, so that um, later on in life, they will be more likely to move. And, and there there are emerging studies that, that show just that, that children who develop a high level of physical literacy tend to 
move throughout their lifespans. And so I think if we don't start to really focus and pay really close attention and commit to changing the physical activity experience of our young people, we're just going to be frustrated for decades to come. Well, on that note, and, I, and for listeners, I did not text Cedric a, a thing to say that <laughs> because on that <laughs> note, I'm actually getting ready to go out and, and uh, my, my older daughter's just learned how to ride her bike. So we got to go practice some bike riding right now. But, Outstanding. <laughs> but here's the thing is right now my kids are four and a half and six and a half. And I'm saying mm-hmm. this for listeners. Mm-hmm. I am not having them play sports, Cedric. I am having them do gymnastics. I'm having them do mm-hmm. dance. And I'm, I'm looking around for a Ninja Warrior program for my older daughter, like a climbing. I want her mm-hmm. to do the Ninja Warrior. I don't personally, I don't want them into organized sports for another few years until about nine or 10. Mm-hmm. I just want them doing movement stuff because right. my goal as a parent is I want them to be physically literate and intellectually curious. You know, that's, that's my goal is that physical literacy. I love that you use that phrase and then intellectual curiosity. So for listeners, wrapping it up here, Cedric, for listeners that want to learn more about the mission of the American Council on Exercise, what, what is the best resource? What's, what's the best resource for them to go to? Just come to our website because we have uh, quite a wide array of, of um, information and content for everyone from the curious consumer to the uh, seasoned uh, fitness professional. So, and, and our website is www.acefitness.org. And they have some killer blogs on there. Trust me. No, <laughs> uh, we, we do. We have some killer blogs from from a name that I'm sure you'll recognize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Cedric, I really I want to thank you for your time. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a while. Um, yes. I just I really want to kind of get people thinking differently about physical activity and exercise. And obviously, you know, I support the mission that the organization does. And I just wanted more people to learn about that. So thank you for your time. As you can tell, I really enjoy the conversations with Cedric. You know, I've worked for him for a number of years, and now that I haven't worked with him directly, we still try to catch up and connect every now and then. He actually reminds me of Coach Dungy, and I'm going to come back up with another sports analogy here in a couple of minutes. But Cedric just has that demeanor, that calm presence, and it really is just he, he, he's an incredibly intelligent individual. And the best thing I like, or the thing I like most about working with him, he was very thoughtful in giving his answers, and you heard that. And he would take his time and just was very calm, very level-headed. And it really was just an honor to work with him, and I learned a lot. Now, before I go any further in this wrap-up, and I'm going to talk about how fitness is, you know, the career path of personal trainers have changed, I'm recording this right now in a hotel. So usually I record, I have a little sound studio set up at home, so you might hear some background noise. I apologize about that, just, you know, travel schedules and whatnot. There's the only chance I could get to do some editing and recording. Well, back to the career path of fitness professionals. The first personal trainers evolved about 40, 45 years ago. A lot of things happened in the early 70s that really promoted fitness. One, bodybuilding became bigger. Two, you had Nautilus. Arthur Jones developed a a product called Nautilus, and Nautilus used cams to really keep tension on the muscles. That allowed bodybuilders to grow these huge, massive muscles. Machines place more force into the muscles, which cause muscles to grow. I'm going to do a separate thing about that later. I'm working on a project right now. Really cool information. So kind of re, we're kind of looking at relaunching machine strength training in, into the fitness industry. But in the early 70s, you had Nautilus. You had Arthur Jones create Nautilus, create machine strength training. You had the emergence of bodybuilding. You had pumping iron, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, the, the modern fitness industry was evolving with Holiday Spa, Vic Tanny Clubs. And now we, you know, we're, we're at a point where what the American Council on Exercise is trying to do is trying to get personal training, health coaches, and fitness instructors to be a component of the medical healthcare continuum. 
you know, 40, 45 years ago, the first personal trainers were bodybuilders. If you wanted to add muscle, if you want to look like a bodybuilder, you had to hire one to help you get there. That's evolved. Now personal trainers will get undergrad degrees, will get master's degrees. Now personal trainers are becoming more of a component of the healthcare system. We're helping people move better. As you heard Cedric talk about, movement is good for our health. You know, look at modern society. We've taken movement out of our life. We've taken movement out of our daily activity. And what, you know, health, an important component of health is daily movement. And if you heard us, we weren't just talking about exercise. We're talking about being physically active, walking, climbing stairs, doing chores. A lot of people look at exercise as rather boring and just bleh. You know, especially using the Stairmaster. <laughs> right, Jim Gaffigan? Um, the reason why I did that is I want to give you a little background and kind of Cedric's role. Cedric has been very involved in the industry, but I also do that because it's kind of funny. I listen to comedians who, and when I listen to comedians when I work out, and one of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan, he has a little bit on Stairmaster. So Jim, if you're listening, I want to go to Stairmaster directly for you. Back to the career path of personal trainers. Now with the healthcare issue, with, with the healthcare costs, one of the best things you can do to manage your healthcare is exercise. Be physically active. Even if you hate the gym, just get out and start walking around the block. And if you're interested in a career change, the next All About Fitness is going to be a quick fit tip about how you can change and get into the fitness industry. You know, if you want to become an instructor, if you want to become a trainer, if you want to become a health coach. And you don't have to do it full time. You know, here's the other sports thing. You know, a number of years ago when I was working in D.C. as a personal trainer, one of my colleagues was a young woman named Josina Anderson. Josina is now an NFL reporter for ESPN. But when she first got out of college and she wanted to be a reporter, she was doing, she was working for a local station in Washington, D.C., covering the local sports teams, and she needed a way to make extra money. And personal training was a perfect side hustle. So that allowed Josina to get from being out of college to working for ESPN. So you don't have to be full-time in the fitness industry. The fitness industry is perfect for a side hustle. If you want to teach a couple fitness classes, here's the thing. If you're a fitness instructor, that means you get a free gym membership. Right? If you're a fitness instructor teaching a couple classes a week, guess what? You get to go work out at the gym for free. That right there, not only are you getting paid, but you're also getting to save money on stuff. And here's a little tip, folks. If you love an instructor at a local studio, cycling, bar, it doesn't matter. If you love an instructor at a studio, look around at the local health clubs. Because I guarantee whatever your favorite studio instructor also teaches at a 24-hour fitness or LA fitness or something like that for a free gym membership or a YMCA. I know I do. I know a lot of people do. I carry one or two classes at the YMCA for free membership. That's one of the benefits of being a fitness instructor. So the next All About Fitness is going to be a quick fit tip about how you, if you want to be a part of an industry that changes people's lives, if you want to be a part of an industry that's looking to solve the healthcare problem by helping people move more, the next All About Fitness will have some quick fit tips about how you can do that, whether you want to make it full-time or just a side hustle. Thanks for stopping by. If you want more information about exercise, please check out my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. It's taken my almost two decades of experience working in this business, and it's a lot of information to help you learn how to use exercise or physical activity to manage your life. And, and here's the thing, folks. Being fit gives you choices. Being active, being healthy gives you choices for your quality of life. And that's what I'm doing on the podcast. I'm trying to help you learn how to use exercise to have the quality of life that you want and you deserve. If you have any questions, hit me at allaboutfitnesspodcast at gmail.com. That's allaboutfitnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can always ping me on Instagram, Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Thanks for stopping by and look forward to having you visit me for future episodes of All About Fitness.